Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. You be Halloween or Freud contradictions and candy. <laughs> well, everyone, it's been a monumentous day here at the Horror Vanguard Crypt. We don't uh, we don't release too many emergency snap episodes uh, in the wake of new releases. That's just not our style. Uh, we usually usually like to take things slow and to let it percolate and to dig up gems through horror history. But every now and then, a movie with such gravitas uh, uh, emerges like a like like a field of jack o' lanterns springing up overnight, and we have to we have to uh, uh, take the minotaur by the horns, if you will. How are you doing, John? I'm feeling crisp. I'm feeling great. I am excited. I have I have just been through an experience. This is going to be less a discussion of uh, film, I think, and more a discussion where I try and process what I've just been exposed to. <laughs> and I think, I think for me, it's the excitement of like, I I love this because this is like the, uh, it, it, in, in Bloodborne terms, I'm always living in the movie criticism Nightmare of Mensis, and this movie is the Nightmare of Mensis of Halloween movies. And I am so pleased to be where we are right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be so much fun. So much fun. Um, but before before we get to have our fun, um, a, a special word from our Horror Vanguard sponsors. This program was made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Go to patreon.com slash horror vanguard and get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Thank you. You'll forgive me if I don't stay around to watch. I just can't cope with freaky stuff. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, 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 you know, strap in. Here we go. Without, I'm not, I'm not going to kind of give away the, the name of the film. It's probably in the episode title. Ash, what's today's film about? We often joke about events signaling the start of the bad timeline. But, and I say this with great remorse, we lack the courage to speculate on the events that will signal the emergence of the good timeline. Courage comes in many forms, but oftentimes the hardest is the most cheeseball. And that is finding the strength to be honest and to be yourself. Hubie Halloween marks a sea change. This is the sensation of a cool breeze on a hot day, of waking up and knowing your fever is subsiding. This is the beginning of a healing. A better future is ours if we are brave enough to have it. Hubie, like Prometheus, steals that spark and gives it freely to a weary world in need of light. Like the flickering eyes of jack-o'-lanterns, let hope's light shine like a beacon. As we discuss, Adam Sandler's Hubie Halloween. <laughs> Short and sweet with this one. I'm just, I'm just feeling the spirit of the season, you know? Oh, it's just taking over me. Yes, let's, let's talk about an Adam Sandler movie. 
which is a phrase that fills me with a kind of dread that I think is really only comparable to the protagonist of a Lovecraft short story. Um, (laughs) And like those protagonists, I fully expect, but by the end of this conversation, my grip on reality will have shattered, leaving me an empty, babbling husk. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, I'm on the other side of this, just kind of like, rolling around a bunch of shining trapezohedrons as we have this conversation so i am just ecstatic right now all right let's let's kind of let's kind of i think maybe before we get into the discourse proper maybe we can just we'll do a kind of quick movie review we're recording this immediately after we did a hubie halloween watch party uh for hv patrons if you want to know more about uh, about watch parties and all the other bonus stuff that we do please do sign up to our patreon so let's kind of maybe give some sort of reaction, a little bit of movie critique before we before we jump into the into the discourse. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So um, if you haven't been keeping up uh, with, with Adam Sandler's filmography, um, and I'm just going to let that phrase percolate in the minds of everyone like some horrid mutant seed, but like, <laughs> um, if if you're aware of Adam Sandler's filmography, you're probably keyed into like. Uh, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, maybe Little Nicky, Waterboy, his early work on SNL. Uh, you know what we what we consider Golden Age Sandler. <laughs> but like uh, for the, for the last few years now, he's been kind of churning out these like straight to Netflix movies of a. I'll 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 be more generous than I should and say incredibly dubious quality. <laughs> um, they've been largely they they feel like extended commercials they're just like these giant product placement uh hastily slapped together shams of films <laughs> and so that, that 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 catches you up to to where we are today but i think i think um and i and i might be uh in the dissenting opinion here but i think Hubie Halloween is fundamentally distinct from the rest of his Netflix body of work and i think the best way to articulate that is just with the product placement like mm-hmm. usually, like um, Jack and Jill was just like a, a wall of commercials that you couldn't climb over, and Hubie Halloween has like a, a couple shots of people eating uh, Payday brand hashtag Payday candy candy bars, mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of promotional stuff for the city of Salem, Massachusetts, where the movie was shot. But outside of that, there's not a lot of like long drawn out pauses as someone sips their Dunkin Donuts beverage while talking about how much they love Dunkin Donuts. Yeah, logo to the camera. Logo to the camra. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't any I at least like if there was, I completely missed it. There there wasn't any any logo center frame zoom in, which is something like I really expect from Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely completely agree. And also, whilst we're talking about the positives, um the soundtrack to this film is kind of amazing <laughs> it's it's an absolute banger this is the so if you want to know what i listen to pretty much constantly it's the soundtrack of hubie halloween <laughs> the stuff uh, is it's it's just just go to your local halloween store and, and grab the the halloween party cd for like 4.99 and you've got the hubie halloween soundtrack it's phenomenal yeah the soundtrack is 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 great and it sort of sounds so like good. it was from a much better film that they you know, there was uh, there was someone pulling together the the various permissions uh, for and the rights for certain songs, and like Kevin James and Adam Sandler found him as he was leaving the mixing studio one night, 
and just beat the shit out of him and stole the thing and put it in their film. <laughs> this is this is where I think uh, perhaps I will I will uh, lodge my first disagreement. Um, I, I think that. Uh, and we'll, certainly we'll talk about this movie's flaws, but I think that for its successes, this movie is uh, borderline a masterclass of nailing Halloween spooky charm, and the soundtrack is part of that. I will, I will, I will agree that actually, I, I, I find the soundtrack just, just completely on point. And this, the soundtrack is part of that bigger picture, though, right? Like there, there's so much like. There's all kinds of vintage Halloween decorations, people in costumes, Halloween activities, trick-or-treating, uh, spooky uh, monsters. You have a haunted house at one point. Like the movie, you know, you get several different layers of, of like classic horror movie villains. The movie, the movie is very tuned in to kind of the spirit of Halloween. And I think it does that really successfully. Like it reminds me of a lot of those like like an 80s direct to to video Halloween special or like the Nickelodeon, like, like I don't know. Uh, what was, I don't know if this was Nickelodeon or not, but Liar, Liar, Vampire and like those kind of like teen and tween Halloween movies. Like it's got a lot of that energy and it's just really charming. Uh, I I think it was, I think it was aiming for that, but. I, I, th- I, I think it hit. Maybe, maybe I am, I am a cynical Brit. But I thought, <laughs> I, I I thought whatever charm there was, was frequently drowned out by boring, repetitive jokes, Adam Sandler yelling, and an absolute stream of piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> I, I I thought that I thought the um so so Adam Sandler does have that right. He's 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 got the kind of uh. That's like an Adam Sandler trope is that he's always just kind of shouting for no good reason. Um, yeah, but I yeah, think that the, the way that you deliver a punchline, according to SNL alum Adam Sandler, is by yelling. And if you want it to kind of really hit, you yell slightly louder than normal. So I think I think in this movie's favor, they 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 they, 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 they it took it took him decades, but we finally figured out how to channel the constant yelling. And that's by making him a scare his character a scaredy cat in, in a in a spoopy Halloween movie, because now all the yelling it, it makes sense that he's constantly yelling because he's afraid of everything and he's constantly being spooked. So I wasn't I wasn't bothered by the constant Adam Sandler yelling in this one because it was it was for the first time ever diegetic. He's not just screaming because he screams. He's screaming because he's a coward and someone threw a rubber spider at him. Yes, that's true, and that is effective in. I don't know a six-minute short. Like I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not arguing. I, yeah, I'm I not, can, see, I can see how that would wear you down. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not arguing that like there's no, there's no reason for it. And I think you're completely correct that diegetically and within the structure of the film, uh, it, it, it makes sense and is is completely coherent. I, I just think that this movie literally gave me a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 talk about that really quickly before we get into uh um I, I don't know Lacan or something but like <laughs> um but yeah before before we compare this to Lacanian psychoanalysis like I, I want to talk about the humor for a second because Adam Sandler is um he, he's got a reputation for his humor like just massively degrading over the last especially in his Netflix movies of just being like just constant like fart jokes and and you know ableist humor you know, like other other kind of like bigoted jokery and like 
just just really like it's just not good but i think like there's something there's something magical about the spirit of halloween that that lends a an innocence to to films and i think that the the magic of the season got the better of adam sandler in this one and for the first time since i was a child and i didn't know any better i actually laughed at an adam sandler movie and like there were there were moments of this that were genuinely humorous like a lot of the jokes like eh nah i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm like too old or something for or, or you know maybe i'm too jaded for adam sandler's style of humor but like this was this was much better than everything he's made in the last decade uh yes and um I think when he has worked incredibly hard, he gets to being merely annoying and not unwatchable. <laughs> okay, so like, ah! okay, here we go. Here's 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 all of the jokes in Hubie Halloween. Something to do with bodily fluids, uh, vomit, pissing, shitting. Um, Hubie yells. Hubie falls over. Hubie is physically hurt. Somebody throws something at him. Okay, those were great, though. The, People those, throwing those, things those, at Hubie, all of those are hilarious. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just a, I'm just a, a refined connoisseur of boobery and the classic gags of the silver screen, sir. <laughs> I, I think I, I see, I see the, the point that you're making, and I just like everything I'm saying is, is like grading on on the adam sandler curve right like it's unfair to judge adam sandler by the 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 context of other filmmakers and we're in like the last 15 years have been horrible for comedy right like like when when was the last great comedy movie that 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 came out right like there are very few funny movies these days so not only are we in kind kind of a really grim anti-comedy drought but on top of that, like Adam Sandler has a very niche style of of humor that it's hard to hit. <laughs> and with those with those things said, I think Hubie Halloween was all right. Um, I guess I guess maybe this is this is our kind of like fundamental disagreement. Um, which is that <laughs> which is that like I I I think by the standards of Adam Sandler films. Uh, it's it's a it's good it's it's perfectly like competent in many ways but i i don't know if i think it is okay to grade on on the adam sandler curve yeah i don't know i just think adam sandler's making adam sandler movies like happy madison films that go direct to netflix i think it it might not be fair to grade him on the same scale that we would be grading, you know, David Lynch <laughs> or someone else. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I totally know what you mean. Like in, in, in all sincerity, I do. But I'm also like, like movies can be great, and even like the whole point of our show is that genre cinema is a place of kind of like formal stylistic excellence. Um, and I just think if we want like boobery and slapstick comedy, like we we need to we deserve better. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll I'll completely agree with you. We we deserve way better than Adam Sandler movies. Um, but for what we get, it is it is 
competent. Uh, I think I think a lot of the slapstick is is overplayed and gets old real quick, and good slapstick shouldn't because good slapstick is predicated upon like imagination and like what can actually happen to a person. Um, but this gets real tired real quick. But all that said, it is maybe the best Adam Sandler film I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, I, I would easily put this in my top two Adam Sandler movies. And this is based on uh if I'm not if I'm not factoring in nostalgia, this is my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I'm factoring in nostalgia and and personal history or whatever, eh, it muddies the waters a little. But outside of that, Hubie Halloween is easily his best work. Uh, uh, and and I, what I love about us agreeing on that is that for you, that's high praise, and for me, <laughs> that's still saying I thought it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I I don't know. I legitimately, I can see myself watching this movie again within this month. You know, like I don't think it was that insufferable. It's got, it's got a, it's got a lived-in charm to it. It's, it's like a, you, you just bought a fixer-upper. You know, there's something, there's something warming. I mean, in truth, maybe, maybe I, I kind of admit that, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the target demo for this. I haven't seen huge numbers of of Sandler's um, oeuvre of his of his filmography. Um, so, like, maybe, maybe I'm being. I'm, maybe I'm being unnecessarily harsh. Well, um, the, the next time you're at the Louvre, you really need to swing by the Sandler Hall. I, I think it would be a good <laughs> cultural education for you. Um, uh, but I, I, I thought it was thought it was fine. There was there was lots that I found pretty tedious. I have to be honest. There were there were a few jokes which which got a kind of chuckle out of me. But to be honest, that was about it. <laughs> Well, with uh, with with a uh, proper movie review out of the way, let's let's have ourselves a little bit of fun here, uh, John. What do you think of the work of Sigmund Freud? <laughs> well, uh, I had a kind of weird moment when I realized I looked back over some of my really old tweets and realized I I'd come off as like super anti-Freud, but increasingly, and this is mostly thanks to the kind of psychosexual uh, machinations of right-wing politicians, I've become convinced that Freud is is. Sort of correct about an awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whenever you see like uh, hideous conservative ghouls crawl out of the woodwork to talk about uh, Margaret Thatcher or Mummy, I'm sort of like, yeah, Freud. Freud was right. Uh, um, and this is another. This is another kind of text uh, that I think basically proves uh, Zygmunt uh, had a few points. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're, so where do you want to go with this? I think, I think you're onto something here. Okay. So as, as I said, and I, and I, and I was not being metaphorical in the slightest, there is a lot of fluids in this film, right? It's a, it's a very bodily film. It's, it's concerned with the corporeal reality. Yeah. Yep. Uh, for example, um, one of the, one of the repeated jokes in this film is just Adam Sandler saying the word boner. <laughs> that, that that's the bit, and they drive it into the fucking ground. Um, but there is a lot of there is a lot of piss. There is a lot of feces. There is repeated reference to feces and bodily functions generally. And inevitably, that has to bring up um, Freud's stages of psychosexual development. The the five stages that Freud argued that that children go through. Um, 
And the one that we should probably talk about is the anal stage, uh, which is a very early stage of, of uh, psychosexual development in the kind of Freudian scheme. Uh, and uh, it's about the control and release of bodily functions because there is a kind of libidinal pleasure at work in that. Uh, those who are very restrictive will tend to grow up into uh, kind of controlling, uh, emotionally uh, inarticulate um, personality types, or, or as that's known, the British person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just a, zing. Zing, just zinging a nation of 70 million people. Um, those who are kind of like overly um, liberal with their toilet training will become kind of very expressive, very demonstrative, demonstrative, very generous, kind of like emotionally incontinent. And I'm just like, yeah, once again, Freud. <laughs> Was Freud right? Yeah. Look, let's. And the proof is Hubie Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> I think he does make a really good case for, for the exploration of this. Because <laughs> he's like... Um, messy disorganized he is fixated on certain elements of control as it were which we will get into when we start talking about cops um and there is a kind of strong oedipal and psychosexual current running through this film as well which i think we should also probably talk about but what do you think of my kind of freudian reading am i being am i being a bit Am I being am I be am I, am I being mean to the millionaire Adam Sandler? <laughs> uh, most certainly not. Um, I, I I think you know I'm gonna, I'm going to re- re- restrain my commentary to this particular Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, because um, I know in his other movies it's a lot worse. Um, this was something I commented on in the watch party was that like Adam Sandler and crew were being weirdly restrained in this movie mm-hmm. in terms of the amount of just kind of like. Uh, pissing and and pooping and all that stuff that you usually get in an adam sandler movie this this felt dialed back pretty significantly and i think i I think that plays in to your ideas the opening really does set the tone where he chugs down three eggs and then just vomits into the camera (laughs) just just for the fun of it just for no real reason that scene happens (laughs) and i i saw that and i was like well I, I I know what to expect now. Don't need don't need this coffee anymore. We are we we are in an Adam Sandler movie. I do think there's a lot of interesting things that kind of happen in that space in the context of Hubie Halloween. You know, we have we have this uh, psychosexual tension with like a kind of like water sports and puppy play scene towards the end of the film. Yeah, that happens, yeah, yeah. and then we we get a lot of. It, it, uh, it, let's let's just clarify who's involved here: Steve Buscemi and Ray Liotta in in a puppy play water sports moment. I mean, I mean, it happens. It it, it happens. It's... Although uh, that wasn't uh, that wasn't Ray Liotta. Who was that? Oh uh, no, sorry, um, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. See, that makes it even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, like, like, so we, we have that scene and then we have, we have like an extended voyeuristic sequence where we kind of like watch someone urinate from behind. Yep. You know, like there's this weird forbidden um, psychosexual tension that kind of goes with how this movie portrays some of that. Hubie and it's like, is repeatedly questioning people about their feces. Uh, Walter, yes. is that your feces when he's talking to the dog, which he thinks is Walter? 
uh, it poops in front of him and starts eating the poop. And he's like, stop doing that with you. Like, he's very interested in kind of like controlling people's poop. Um, there's, so there's a coprophilic quality to it. Exactly. So it's totally, <laughs> it's totally within this, this kind of Freudian schema. Uh, yeah, I, I think it really is. I think that, and I think that also leans into kind of like the broader history of horror and comedy, right? Like these are these are the forbidden zones of the psyche, right? These are places proper society doesn't want you to tread in any respect. And comedy races in there, slips and stumbles, and horror kind of explores it from a more terrifying perspective. Mm. And I think that in, in in that respect, you know, Hubie Halloween is is acting firmly within the established uh, uh, archetypes of its genres. <laughs> I mean, yes, I would agree, but uh, I think that 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 doesn't necessarily seem to go beyond anything like we think poop is funny. But which? Oh, I do. Yeah, I do not. I do not think that there's like a master thesis <laughs> behind. If there is, I will be. I will be shocked. That's a very sort of revealing thing for the film to do, right? To go, like we just think that like pissing in public is funny and pooping on the street is funny, and you go, yeah. What does that say about what this text is trying to do here? I have no idea, but I would love to speak. Mr. Sandler, if you're listening, uh, uh, representatives from Happy Madison, if you're tuning in to our review of your latest film, <laughs> uh, please come on our show to talk about Lacan and the text of your work. Indeed. Yeah, um, I think, I think to, to tie us into our next topic, I think there's a, um, there, there, there's, a, there's a childlike innocence to this movie. And I think to a lot of a lot of like the stuff that comes out of Happy Madison, like it's these are very childish movies. Uh, what what would you what would you make of that? Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that we keep going back to Happy Madison, and it kind of shows that really he's he's been going back to the same kind of creative and comedic raw material for a while, right? The whole the Sandler character is either a kind of like goofy dumbass or is a kind of sweet at heart big kid basically right i think that would be putting it very fairly yeah <laughs> so yeah and i think this film if i you know i'm i i don't want to i don't want to i really don't want to come off as being unfair so i i'm gonna extend all of my charitability towards this film because that's the best way of of doing any kind of cultural criticism in my opinion so this I think is this, be fun. I think I think I think this film is like he's he's the kind of childlike uh voice of the conscience, right? He's the conscience of a of a community. He's the whole thing is that he's nice. Um and at the same time, there's a lot of there's there's at least one person in this town who is super horny for him. And that creates a kind of friction within the text which i think is interesting it it does take us into some weird places you know like this is it's a weird thing that adam sandler tries to do in this film with the character of hubie because hubie yes yeah, so simultaneously represents the kind of like spirit of innocence of this community right he hasn't really been corrupted by the realities of existence yet 
and you know he, he's he's quite literally uh, a virgin. You know, we find out that at the end yep. of the film, of course. Yep. Um, and, and like you know, he he lives with his mom, and there's this whole Oedipus Jocasta thing that goes on at the end of the movie, and like there there's a lot of really weird psychoanalytic stuff that happens because Adam Sandler's characters portray innocence in a very childish way. Yeah. It's it's kind of striking that like there is a subplot about basically horny teenagers going to a Halloween party which is like completely devoid of any real kind of like desire. They just go, oh, you're nice. Therefore, I'm now in love with you. Uh, but with the the sweet, completely innocent, completely absent of subtext, Hubie, who doesn't even kind of realize when he's being insulted, there is this kind of like real heat. Someone, someone desperately wants him, and I'm sort of like, this is this is the Tom Hanks in Big problem again, right? Yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> <laughs> i think i think with the with the teens in the party though like it it, fe- it feels very Nickelodeon, yeah, yeah totally you know because it's not it's not it's not the slasher horror thing where where they're horny teens at a, at a party and they're gonna get murdered it's just like a they're, they're teens that have snuck off to like the some abandoned park or whatever to have like a little rock and yeah, roll yeah. party and and it lacks it doesn't have that adult element that would jettison this into a slasher and and like the the teens in this movie that have a romantic relationship, uh, uh, the the one is expressly attracted to the other because he's not a bully, unlike literally everyone else <laughs> in this town, um, who is a dickhead. Yeah. So there's 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 a, there's that layer of innocence at play here, right? And and the woman who's attracted to Hubie is attracted to him because he's not again a horrible bully and a dickhead like everyone in the town, right? There, there's this kind of like innocence has a valor to it that's drawing these people towards it uh yes yeah i think i i i would agree but <laughs> no i no i actually really would agree and you're right it is very nickelodeon um but it's i think you said it during the watch party that there's like there's a good kind of like nickelodeon kids movie in here somewhere uh Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's also an Adam Sandler film at the same time, so his go. Right, this has this has all the same energy as like Salute Your Shorts and like those old like '90s Nickelodeon TV shows. It's got a lot of that. It's it, it's like if you did that humor, but you tried to do it for an adult audience, right? And I mean, like you know, like Keenan Thompson is in this movie, so that, like you know, we have like one half of Keenan and Kel yeah, here. It, it has strong Halloween Town energy. Oh yeah, yeah, but not um, Halloween Town Two: Calabar's Revenge, the movie that China Mayville needs to come on the show and talk to us about, <laughs> which which we are still a hundred percent serious about. <laughs> <laughs> Please call. <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't know if it kind of really, you know, because you have you have this kind of like basically uh, this basic kind of morality tale for for teenagers, you know, a Nickelodeon kids movie. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like jokes about pooping and pissing on people and someone desperately wanting to uh get with adam sandler and so there, there is a kind of incongruity there which i think maybe that's my big problem maybe that's the thing that i'm kind of really struggling with is that there is this there are these kind of series of like tonal contradictions that kind of run through this on a structural level precisely because 
it's an Adam Sandler movie and it's never really able to kind of do anything about that. So, so I think, I think that's a good, that's a good departure. It's a good departure um, point to, to talk about um, the, another thing that we found pretty, pretty interesting in this, fi- uh, this film, this work of fiction. Uh, and that, and that's the, the contradictions of capitalism. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, because there are moments in this where like, me and some other people in the in the chat for the watch party were like, "Hey, there's there's the possibility of like something that's not capitalist here." Um, and what what do you think of? Well, let's kind of contextualize this a bit. What do you think of the this film's kind of relationship to economics, to material conditions, to 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 um to capitalism itself? Considering considering what well, we said, said this, about said like, the product placement as well and things like that, and and I said this, I mean, like in in the watch party, right? Like this is the most restrained product placement I've ever seen in an Adam Sandler movie. You know, he's he's usually much more eager to cash that check. Um, and that that adds a layer to this, right? That adds that adds more dimensionality, right? Because if this movie would have been just a string of commercials for Dunkin' Donuts and the Salem city tourism board and like all this other stuff. I think it would have been an, an unbearable film like this movie. This movie's an Adam Sandler movie. So everything we're saying needs to be taken with that uh, small fistful of salt. Um, but it, it's the most restrained Adam Sandler movie that he's ever made. <laughs> and I think what we see with the character Hubie and the world of Hubie Halloween is, is the cracks in the system Right, like, like there is a straining that is happening in this movie against the world in which we live, even though it doesn't com- ever complete that. Right, it doesn't ever break through. It's nevertheless constantly getting caught in those cracks and constantly trying to like press up against them. Yeah, I mean, welcome to the presence of ideology, right? <laughs> like, I, 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 so what you're saying is that this movie is Zizekian? I, I, given what you've just said, I kind of think it is. Yes, <laughs> which is. I mean, I, I can see it. I completely I mean, agree. What yeah. does Zizek say? If you if you come across a contradiction, you're in the presence of ideology. Ideology functions by mm-hmm. a kind of cynical belief. You know, we don't. Uh, you know, we don't really believe, but we do it anyway. Um, and I think the other thing to kind of point out here is that. This film is a really good demonstration of of the uh, uh, kind of conception of capitalism as a as a world system and series of social relations. So there are contradictions that are exposed here. There are fracture points, but the way that this film kind of glosses over them is by going, "It'll be fine because he's a nice person," and in fact, it's his niceness that becomes the kind of stitch that holds the ideological fabric of capitalism in Salem in this film together. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. What do you mean that it's his niceness so, that's, so that's there, kind of the constituent so element there is, here? So this is this is what I mean. Like he's a he, we talked about like he's a good person, right? He he's caring about people. He wants people to be giving. He wants teenagers to stay safe. But how does that manifest it manifests itself through disciplinary and policing functions right 
he goes and breaks up the party he goes and kind of like tries to lecture the kids at school about what they should be doing it's very prescriptive um there are kind of moments though where we see like halloween represents a space that is in some senses outside of the control of normal capitalist rules of exchange however the fact that hubie who loves halloween is acting as the policing system for the the policing force for the status quo because that's what he is um it kind of forecloses those possibilities right what's the whole point of running off to a party it's to kind of like as a as a teen it's like to get away from parental authority to kind of like experiment and try stuff and that's closed down you know because it's not safe and yes it's not safe but it's also like if we kind of expand this out slightly slightly wider things which are not safe are also the the the, the potential arrival of something new and i use that in a kind of like philosophical political and social sense so the fact that he's the nice one he's he's the nicest cop and enforcer of capitalist realism I, I, I think I think I think you're right. And I think we can I think we can complicate this even further, right? Because I think I think Hubie Hubie goes beyond that a little bit, right? Like Hubie is just pure contradiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he go he goes to the teenage party to to not to stop the teens from partying, but because he's on he's on the trail of a werewolf. He's he's trying to stop this monster who's been kidnapping people all over town. Right? And when he gets to the teens party, he completely fails. In his attempt to to do any kind of policing there, they ridicule him and then they kick him out. The teens literally uh, unionize a former collective body and then throw out his policing Mm -hmm. effort, right? His only function at the party winds up being uh, filming a viral video where he makes a bunch of boner jokes he doesn't know he's making. So, So he fails completely because policing fails completely, right? Like his attempts to police in this movie are all failures. But... You know, um, his, his involvement in a sting operation, it's its a failure, right? Because there's something about him that contradicts everything he attempts to do. isn't this the kind of great example? Isn't this exactly that moment of Zizekian contradiction, right? The policing completely fails. His attempts to exert any kind of agency or authority completely fails. How does this film end? It ends with him in control of the entire town as the mayor and being driven into the center of town by the police. Like, he... All of his failures kind of lead to the successful, smooth operation of the political and economic systems of capitalism. And that that is, is, is a scathing indictment of reformism. That's what we see at the end of this movie. Hubie Halloween, uh, or Hubie Halloween, well, it's not Hubie, Hubie Dubois has an opportunity. He has an opportunity to create some real fundamental change, right? He, he has single-handedly supplanted the town's police force by the end of the movie, solving a, a crime with just his own effort. But he recapitulates to the system, which is what reformist measurements do. They wind up recapitulating to the system, and I think that's that's the lesson to be drawn. I mean, I, I sort of agree, but I do actually think your point about him being a failure is really important. You know, the system doesn't need you to succeed. Oh, yeah, totally. You know? I'm going to no, participate uh, and, and be the best kind of Halloween whore monitor I possibly can be is 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 no real difference from going, I'm going to be Hubie Dubois, who is a massive dunce and and, and, and completely and falls into open graves and accidentally slips on the banana skin and falls into the sewer while screaming at the top of his lungs. So like. He truly does fail upwards throughout this but, movie, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that that's 
you know, not only is that a kind of rule of farce, but like I think that kind of comedic structure tells us a lot about how we think of like this kind of narrative that the film is trying to tell. We go, yeah, that is what for small town America should be like. That's who that's who should be the mayor. Um even if we go even if we know that there is a kind of like contradiction there, we kind of gloss over it. And it's held together and this is what I mean by it's his niceness that holds this social and political field together. You know, it's because he's a nice guy. So we don't look at the fact that there are systemic failures, that there is no kind of real possibility of change anymore, that this is a film steeped in kind of nostalgia and sentimentality with a with a with a social life that's almost completely devoid of economics, except for one or two really key moments. We don't kind of think about any of that. Um it it I think I think you're completely right, and I, I definitely agree that Adam Sandler fails to do dialectics in Hubie <laughs> Halloween. And yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, and we shouldn't expect it, but it's it's kind of worth thinking about because it shows. This is what I mean when I when I put in the notes that like, there's a kind of imaginative collapse here, um, but it's like if this is what comedy is for. If this is what, like, arguably the most famous comedian in cinema is making, uh, you know, there's there's a really there's this um, interview with Chris Morris who did like Brass Eye and Four Lions and a uh, uh, and a whole host of other really great comedy, and he said, "I don't really see the point of comedy unless there's something like underpinning it. You know, are you are you just doing a display to placate the courts, or are you actually trying to kind of do something?" And I think that ultimately that's my kind of big big problem with Sandler is that I think he's just he's he's just there to reflect back a kind of comfort comforting vision of of something that we shouldn't be comforted by yeah yeah I think I think that's definitely a, a strong part of the show and I think that the, this movie is a collapse, right? Like so, so much of Adam Sandler's cinema is collapsed. The fact that he has a direct pipeline to Netflix is collapse. Mm. But I think that this gives us opportunity, right? This gives us opportunity as film critics. This gives us opportunity as fans of horror or comedy that that we can we can find the gaps caused by this collapse, mm. right? We could draw forth lessons from this. You know, and like that, every every horror movie has totally useless cops, and this is another great example. Oh yeah, of that, definitely. Right? Every every horror movie has townspeople coming together to solve their own problems. This movie has great examples of that. Halloween is the socialist holiday because it's about freely redistributing material goods to people, and this movie has that. So I think there are things in here that we can we can use as pry bars to split open the rest of the cracks in the contradiction that is <laughs> so I, th- I think i think you're right it's, it's got that like it's got the hard candy shell that you're talking about but on the inside there's there's some gooeyness right there's there's that delicious uh sour sweet syrup that we can get well at. let's 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 try and let's try and get at it let's 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 try and get at it and maybe we can talk about maybe we can talk about getting at it by way of thinking about the the best and spookiest festival um halloween like what do you what do you think maybe you can kind of talk about that like the socialist the socialist nature of halloween i mean but well, well, this this is this is like the classic joke right because this time of year conservatives come out of the woodwork and start saying 
oh, if Halloween was socialist, uh, uh, you would go home and all of your candy would be taken away and given to someone else. When when that's in fact that's capitalist Halloween. Yeah. Right. But because you know, like that that would be capitalist Halloween would be like your 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 parents are like, okay, sweetie, you you go get candy, and then we'll take eighty percent of your candy. And then we'll take another 15% to put away in a candy holding you'll never see. And then you get to keep 5%. And it's the worst 5%. Um, but uh, thankfully, Halloween <laughs> it has, has some inherently like socialist elements mm. to it, right? You know, um, in, in no better uh, place do we see this than in the redistribution of candy. Mm. Right, like, like candy is perfect synecdoche for material goods. It's literally food, even though you probably shouldn't eat only candy. <laughs> and on Halloween, people freely distribute it. They freely hand it out to whoever wants it. Right? It doesn't really matter how shit your costume is. You know, it doesn't. You just go to the door, hold out your bag, and you get food. And there's something, and everybody loves that. Everybody loves trick or treating. Everybody loves Halloween. And I think part of the reason we're drawn to that is because it has that spirit of community that's inherent to socialism. Yeah. Yeah, I would completely agree. And and I would go as far as to say that Halloween is the most socialist holiday. Thank you very much. Outside of May Day, of course. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Halloween is not for the capitalists. Um, it is it is no. for everything that capitalism normally tries to regulate and subdue. It is for the monstrous and the supernatural and the strange and the uncanny. Um, and it is absolutely the time for for uh ghosts and the the overthrow of the commodity form i couldn't agree more <laughs> so what do you what do you think then of halloween and hubie halloween i actually think i i sort of agree with you that there is struggling beneath the kind of like gray porridge of 50 percent of this film there is something kind of uh endearing that's kind of hoping to come out there's a flower that wants to bloom through the concrete. Yeah, but I, I, I actually, I actually, I really agree with you. I, I realize I've said a lot of kind of harsh things about this this film and about Adam Sandler as as a cultural symptom of our ideological malaise, um, <laughs> which you you certainly may be very correct about. <laughs> but I actually do think there is something like at its core, like. I agree with you know, Halloween is about kind of generosity, inclusion, um, but really it's also about the potential of reconfiguring the material world. That's what there is a kind of like revolutionary edge, right? The whole point of dressing up as monsters and the whole point of like the trick or the treat is what kind of world do you want to live in you know this is this goes back to the kind of roots of of the fool in the king's court right the the fool was there who could tell the kind of painful truths to power uh and even mock authority but did so in a kind of licensed way uh which is why leftists have kind of co-opted it um but yeah it, uh, but i ultimately think that this film kind of falls into like sentimentalism and moralism and the kind of point of it get boils down to like being nice which is fine and and kind of kind of good but that's about it <laughs> no i i completely agree it, it stands it stands on a solid foundation but then winds up getting mired in 
it's, it's kind of Adam Sandler's movies are junk. <laughs> like we should, we should want to be nice yes. to each other. We should, we should want to, to give and be kind and be caring and be understanding. Of course. But like there are, there are real world material things that get in the way of that. And that's kind of what Hubie, Holland, and I'm not saying Hubie needs to come out and be like, I don't know any avowed form of like leftist, right? Like, like Hubie doesn't need to come out and have strong, you know, as, uh, have like a strong moral position on the first international, you know, <laughs> what, what is, what, what is Hubie's opinion on, uh, the Soviet involvement in the Spanish civil war? The people need to know in, in all seriousness though, I think you're right. It's like, morality and like being nice is is not abstract from the social field in which it's practiced right and the vast majority of uh kind of behaviors are socially learned processes right they're things that happen over Mm -hmm. and over again and there are a couple of really interesting kind of moments where like you see hubie at his job at a deli counter but he lives in a nice big house in salem <clears throat> he goes to the cafe and gets free water occasionally um and you know one character gets explicitly told everybody's got credit card debt no no breaks on halloween which i thought was like a really interest. that was like my my gothic marxist radar is uh, i know oh yep yep light the beacon um but like <laughs> but like the glaring the glaring absence here is like we don't ever talk about the social because the social is a kind of normalized ideal. You know, in Adam, in the Adam Sandler world, uh, everybody is kind of comfortably wealthy. And that's about it. And so we don't really discuss anything that might that might kind of actually change how people behave. We don't kind of change material conditions. All we do is like, well, you should just be a nicer person. And that's that's about it. Yeah, yeah, I I think you're I think you're completely right with this. Like Adam Sandler, or Hubie, I should say, Hubie Dubois, living with his mom. Uh, you know, like like there's conversations about generational wealth there. Yeah, right? totally. Uh, uh, Hubie, Hubie's Hubie's love interest, uh, uh, having tons of credit card debt, and like oh, being late to work because she was on the phone with one of her debtors. Um, like. And then her the, the her boss, who is ostensibly a hashtag independent business, small business owner or something, saying that, like, oh, we all have credit card debt. You know, we're all up to our necks in it. Like, I think there's something there's something powerful to explore there. There's something that, like, in, in a, and I think a better movie would have definitely leaned in to, to, to those contradictions a little harder. As indeed, like, a lot of a lot of these cheeseball direct-to-video Halloween movies do lean into that stuff. And it's a shame that this one didn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's because that's that's where the real interest yeah, the, is. Like, mom's at work and the kids are at home, and like, uh, everyone's dad is missing and is just absent in this film. Uh, right, and we we get that like like we didn't we didn't we didn't even like I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like I'm over my my take generator is just <laughs> boiling over. Um, <clears throat> no, but we we don't even I don't even think we have time to get into that because like. So Hubie's love interest is a single mom with three with three kids. Her husband is is or her ex husband I should say is the town sheriff who does nothing has no responsibility for raising these kids in the slightest. You know he is completely checked out of the equation. 
leaving her to, to work this job at a cafe alone and manage all this while she's struggling with credit card debt, knowing how much police make in the United States and how easily he could probably lean in and help. You know, like, like there, there is a lot of, like, materialist conversation that wants to happen at the core of Hubie Halloween. It's just not breaking through to the surface. Yes, I, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. So let's um let's let's jump let's jump right to the end of this. Uh, how did you how did you find the end of this movie? I I think I kind of said uh, what I think about the ending, which I is I think like behavior is is a social practice, right? We are social creatures, mm-hmm. and who who we are is kind of picked up on the social level. And uh, I I genuinely thought in the opening half an hour of this film, I was like, does Adam Sandler hate the town of Salem because because <laughs> everyone here is just a raging asshole <laughs> but the thing is it's like there doesn't necessarily seem to be huge amounts of reasons that people are an asshole uh, assholes to hubie it's like this is just who they are um you know right at the end the the kid who's dressed as freddie Merc- freddie mercury who's just been the bully character goes oh i always felt pressure to be cool which is brand new information that we've ne- we've never seen that come up in the film so it's like the film kind of goes well people are just ontologically assholeish and what's needed is for them to be scolded and told don't do that you should be nice and 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 that's the ending <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know. Again, I I I kind of I'm sort of worried in this episode that I've I've been I've been kind of unnecessarily harsh or critical. What what do you think about the ending? If there was ever a an artist to be unnecessarily harsh towards, you have selected wisely in Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> um no, no, and like, and yeah, no. Usually, um, I'm I, I try to be like, oh, let's find the good things in the movie, and and what can we do here? But it's really hard. <laughs> so I think I think the ending the ending for me is there's a lot to problematize in this because like, I I do really like how like all all of the characters who've been like the primary antagonists, like the bullies for Hubie mm-hmm. the whole time, you know, the one the one teen is like, oh, I'm just, I just wanted to be cool, and then like. You know, you get, like, the one guy who's like, oh, I'm bald, and so I'm a bully. And, like, they've all got their own, like, reasons for mm-hmm. it. And that gives that gives some depth and complexity because no one's just a yeah. dickhead. Right? You know, like, everybody's got their own horrible fucking life that they're trying to deal with. And, like, sometimes that just gets the best of you and you become a dickhead. And there's, there's something heartening to, to the end of this movie, but it doesn't know what it wants to do yeah. with that. You know, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's kind of... It's it's kind of fumbling, but what I did really like, and I think there's kind of like a, a little instructive lesson we can do at the end of this, and that's like we hear a lot, a lot from like you know like like uh, Hillary Clinton and Democrats and the Democratic establishment with you know when we when when they go low we go high, and and the spirit of that is meant to be like oh we take the high road we do good things we don't be negative you know we try and bring out the best in people, and and that works in Hubie Halloween. That works when your enemies are a 16-year-old who doesn't know how to fit in or be himself because he's 16 and and like a, a middle-aged man who's like falling apart because he's balding. You know, like it, it works when you're when you're dealing with adversaries that are 
in in those camps, you know, that have normal benign problems that they just don't know how to manage in their yeah. own lives. It it, it does it doesn't work when people are calling for your death. It doesn't work when people don't think you're human. You know, it it doesn't work when people are denying you healthcare, right? Like you you can't go high with that other crowd of people. You can go high with the teenager who who's being a shithead. You can't go high with someone who's like, no, you should die of cancer. It's the right thing. Yeah, completely. Um, and I don't know. That's that, that's all I got for the end. <laughs> like, you know, I tried really hard for that one. I, I, I was I I kind of I'm I'm not opposed to like a, a a moral message, right? It's like it's a it's a cool thing to have in in a in what is obviously like a I don't know. I don't I don't really know who this is aimed at. Adam Sandler fans. I don't know who they are. That 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 is a problem. Is like I I agree. Like I don't know who the audience for this is outside of like people who dislike adam sandler movies you know like this isn't really for teens it's not really for adults like this movie feels like it's in a void um, and you know i'm not opposed to the idea of like you know what everyone was being really mean and then at the end they put hubie in charge and they change but it's like they they don't have any cause to change except somebody telling them that they should be nicer and I'm like, that's not how, that's not how kind of like actual change in behavior happens, right? If you're right, it's not it's not a material corrective to their problems in the first place. You know, it's like the 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 um, what's the what's the what's the guy the the Italian American? <laughs> uh, oh, I can't remember the character's name, but he goes, oh, Ray Liotta. Uh, oh, I've I've always been mad at him because he can because. Well, the the joke the joke is, and I found this joke kind of, kind of. Oh, the the ableist yeah, joke about oh, uh, people with dyslexia. I'm dyslexic, yeah. but no, I'm just really dumb. It's like okay, but there's no there's no kind of like change. There's no growth that any character goes through. Like just in the next scene when he's met, he's he's man now. Therefore, nothing else needs to be different in the town. And that. That that to me is really troubling, right? Because Adam Sandler's worst stuff is his misogynistic, ableist, and racist humor, and this movie is is definitely pretty hard on the ableist yeah. humor. Um, and and there's 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 some racist stuff in here that's pretty aggravating as well. And like when we get that end sequence where where the first bully to own up to why he's bullying is like, oh, like I'm a teenager. Like, okay, fine. You know, like you're you're 16. You don't know how to fit in, so you're acting out. Like that's that's very normal and kind of yeah, benign, totally right. And then and then you you get the other you get the one guy who who is acting out because he's like, he looks like he's 50 something and he's like confessing about how he's like dyslexic and that's caused him trouble for his whole life. And like that's that's incredibly ableist to to lump those characters together and to weigh their problems the same because one of them is just like. Going going through one of like the the growth pains of becoming an adult, you know, trying getting the confidence to be yourself is something that many people lack, and it's multimodal too. It's not just all yeah, or nothing. And then like the corrective for that is like that guy just has growing up to do, and the other guy like he needs healthcare, you know, he 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 needs a world that could have ever supported him throughout his entire life. It's dark and tragic and crushing, and it's just so fucking ableist to throw that yeah. out there yeah um and and i'd like and like you know you know i i don't 
when 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 it went on horror list, right? Like we talk about horror movies, and I'm like, we can make a horror. You can do effective horror about a lot of things which are kind of shocking and transgressive. And you know, I feel I feel the same way about comedy that like it's theoretically possible to make jokes about like potentially offensive subjects and do it in such a way that you're actually making a good joke and you're not just kind of like slapping around a group or um an identity that is marginalized and goes through enough shit in the nightmare uh, nightmare grind of capitalism anyway but the thing that the thing that kind of really annoyed me is that there's there's no real joke it's just like it's just it's just insults directed at uh, uh, this idea that like people might might be dyslexic. That's the that's the joke. There's nothing there that actually justifies that kind of um that kind of like pseudo humor. You know what I mean? Oh no, totally. And like this is this is Adam Sandler's worst um I don't know trope as a filmmaker. Yeah, is is that he is always relying on ableist humor misogynistic humor racist humor body shaming in, in a way that is just kind of so abject and objectionable and and sure it was lighter in this movie than it is in the vast majority of things he's ever created but at the same time like that doesn't forgive its appearances and and you know i think we spent the better part of an hour <laughs> trying to like suss out good critical readings from a very mediocre film and like it's hard it's hard to do that when when you've got the you know when when the whole, when the end of your movie just just kind of like culminates in like this this terrible joke at the expense of people with dyslexia that's just in there because that's meant to be funny somehow yeah it's it's not even you a know, joke like, it's it, just yeah and and that's the thing it doesn't add anything right you could have just had that guy say Oh, I'm jealous. I'm jealous because he knows a bunch of big words, and I don't know those big words. So I'm just—he's just jealous because he's read more or something. Like, you could have just ended. It would have been fine if you would have just ended there. I don't you, like throwing that in. Is just pure ableism, and it reflects the just the horrible, like systematic level of oppression that you get with any kind of ism. Yes, exactly. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I mean that. I, I I do sort of feel like we're we're back at sort of where we started, which is that yes, for an Adam Sandler movie, it's all right, it's all right, but it's okay for an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> and that's 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 the thing to keep in mind is that like I really like the Halloween spirit in this one, and I think you know like we we talked about the couple of the, the couple of things that are right under the surface that are. That, that are bursting through and if we can hook in and like this is what i was this is what i was saying uh in my, my little pricey for this one is that like if we if we can connect to those things that are breaking through to the surface if we can connect to, to the plot line about the single mom and her deadbeat cop husband who who is drowning in credit card debt but is still trying to make halloween amazing by building her children custom halloween costumes you know, like they're or like or like the the town oaf who just wants everyone to have a good and giving Halloween, but he doesn't quite know how to accomplish that task. You know, like there are there are worthwhile things to pursue even in Adam Sandler movies, and I think that that is my takeaway here. Even if they are buried and mired under so much occasionally literal piss. <laughs> On that, 
on that, I I I completely agree with you. I can. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good way to go out. <laughs> uh, safe, safe trick or treating. If for some reason you're doing that today, October seventh. <laughs> Ha 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 